the great Ian Hall Lacey once spotted that I always take F.F. Bruce's commentary to the pulpit to hold up my notes. <laughs> Couldn't have a better man to do it. I think only Ian spotted that. Always the same book. It's just the right height. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for bringing us to yourself into a friendship with you. And we thank you that it's your continuing love that compels us to serve you. Please open your word to us, we pray this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for all those kind words and gifts and so on. We, we you know, can't process all that at the moment, as you can imagine. But we are so, so grateful, Joe and I. And thank you so much for your kindness and your generous uh, hearts. Thank you. Have you ever been seriously misunderstood? I mean, it happens from time to time. I think of a friend of mine, Dave. Dave was traveling with his girlfriend, as she was then, Annie, north from London to her home city of Leeds for Christmas. Annie was driving. She was going to introduce Dave to the family. And, uh, you know, this was a big deal. And they were sort of like in their early 20s. And uh, as they were going up the M1 motorway, which is that sort of main route in the middle of England, uh, halfway along, she heard these words. And it shook her. He said, do you want to marry me? And she was driving in the fast lane. <laughs> and turns to him and says, I'm in the fast lane. I'm going 70 miles an hour. And you ask a girl the most important question, the most exciting thing she'll ever hear. You know, will you marry me? What? I said, do you want a Murray Mint? <laughs> that was quite a conversation you'll be had to know, glad to know that Dave and Annie did get married he proposed a year later and they got three lovely kids in a more serious way Paul was being totally misunderstood in Corinth um He'd brought the gospel to that great city. He'd founded the church there. It's all recorded in Acts 18. But in his second letter to the uh, Christians at Corinth, Paul is forced to defend his ministry motives to the very people he'd led to Christ. And the reason for this is, was that there was a new raft of church leadership in Corinth, which Paul rather naughtily calls the super apostles. You know, they were nothing of the kind as far as Paul was concerned, but they thought they were super. They didn't understand or appreciate Paul's courageous, servant-hearted ministry. They saw it as very ordinary, pedestrian, uh, not really very spiritual. I mean, after all, I mean, he got, this guy gets kept on getting whipped and stoned and put in prison. I mean, you know, he can't be very godly. You know, he, he suffers too much. They fail to grasp what a cross-centered and Christ-honoring ministry really looks like. And sadly, they led many other believers in Corinth to the same conclusion, to doubt Paul's motives. Some thought he was 
and those working with him were out of their mind, verse 13. The long hours of ministry, the imprisonments, the floggings, the travels, the constant hardships. Why on earth does Paul do all this? Well, he gives them his answer in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. Here in chapter 5, Paul feels it's important to make clear to them his motives in ministry. And how he understands that the gospel has changed his life and their lives too. And he highlights three key points for the Christian believer. Our purpose, our perspective, and our privilege. So firstly, our purpose. Verse 14 For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them was raised again. When Paul and all of us here today grasped for the first time that Jesus died on the cross for us, taking our place for the wrong we had done, it changed us forever, didn't it? We had a new sense of purpose, which was no longer to live for ourselves, but for him. The love he showed us by dying for us on the cross has compelled us ever since. We haven't always got the Christian life right. We haven't always honoured Jesus as we should, which is why we have the confession. (laughs) We've got things we need to say sorry for. But the friendship is fixed. Nothing can change that. We're his. We belong to him. We've not always responded to the love, to that love of Jesus in the way we should, but he knows we're earthen vessels. He says that in the previous chapter, chapter 4, By God's grace we serve him, don't we? It's by God's grace we know him and love him and seek to honour him in our lives. Each day is a day of gratitude lived in his name. When I became a Christian age 14 on a scripture union camp in the southwest of England, I thought the cross was just a great example of sacrifice. I didn't really understand it. Um, But it seemed that he was respected and admired all over the world. But I didn't grasp it. I didn't grasp verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. No one ever told me that. That he was the sin bearer. That he died in my place. And so when I heard that on August the 3rd, 1973, I knelt by my bed in H dorm and asked Jesus into my life. And for most of us, it's the cross which draws us to Christ and becomes the core of our Christian service and living. I think of the great Christian evangelist, Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, just trips off the tongue, doesn't it? (laughs) Who, by the time he died in 1760, was instrumental in having 226 missionaries 
all over the world. This is the days before, you know, jet aircraft or, you know, ironclad ships or anything like that. They were serving in South America, the West Indies, Africa, among the Eskimos and the native Indian community of North America. Why did he organize all that? Why did he make it happen? Because as a young man on the Grand Tour, very wealthy, but with a praying great aunt called Henriette, who prayed for him every day. And he was this wealthy, good-looking young man going round to the great galleries of Europe, to France, to Paris, to Italy, to the palaces, taking it all in. He had money to burn. He got to a painting, Ecce Homo, in Rome. Behold the man, the crucified Christ. All this I did for you, it said in Latin. Good education helped him. All this I did for you, what will you do for me? For days, he could think of nothing else. But that question, he he gave his life to Christ, and we know the result. It was the cross. No one had ever explained the cross to him. It compelled him forward. Where's the cross in your life and in my life? Is it at the center? When I wandered, I I went up to uni, I'd become a Christian when I was 14 and it was real and I was still Jesus, but I'd wandered. I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't really pray much, but I thought I was a Christian. I was reading theology after all, but a good friend of mine during a mission to the uni, I invited him for coffee. He'd been a leader on these SU camps and uh, stupidly I invited him because not realizing, of course, he's going to challenge me, isn't he? And ask me, how's my Christian life? Hadn't bargained on that. I thought it was just nice of me to be courteous since he was based at our college. Mike, how are you going with God? Oh, really good. Yeah. I mean, great. Yeah. You know, I just do what I can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, just, and I could feel the sweat coming down. And I said, you know, try and do my best for God. Yeah. Well, that'll be, that'll be enough, wouldn't it? No. Mike, where's the cross in your life? What does it mean to you these days? And I knew then. (laughs) I was a million miles from Jesus. That's why I'd become a Christian. Because of the cross. Because he loves me. He died for me. I'm so glad that Kim Sutherman came (laughs) to the room for that coffee that day. I wouldn't be here today without that visit. We need the cross. Please don't forget the cross as Joe and I move on. Never forget the cross of Jesus. It's why we're here. Because he died for us and we love him. And we have the cross right there, don't we? We have it across Blackburn North on the outside. Let's never forget the cross. Our purpose is fashioned by the cross. We live for him. Our, pur- our perspective, secondly, verse 16, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Now, one time, 
Saul of Tarsus saw Jesus as just an ordinary man. In fact, he didn't like him because of what he was saying and his followers he persecuted because he was claiming to be the Messiah. And as a devout Jew and a Pharisee, he didn't like that. But on his conversion, that famous day on the road to Damascus, when Christ appeared to him through voice and blinding lights, he realized, having asked, who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He realized Jesus was real. He was the Messiah. He was Lord. It changed everything. He had a new perspective. And he didn't leave any stone unturned. That's why they thought he was mad. From telling the world about Jesus. Okay, so flog me, stone me, imprison me. I get shipwrecked. So big deal. (laughs) I get bitten by a snake. No problem. I can handle anything. Because I have Christ. He had a new perspective. And once he understood who Jesus truly was. And that he had died for our sin and rose again in triumph. It made him realize that he and indeed all of us need to live for Christ. We need to know Christ. We are spiritual beings made for a relationship with God who created us. The God supremely revealed revealed in Jesus. That is why Paul gave his life to telling and imploring all who would hear that they need Christ. Remember Philippi and Lydia? By the water there, the, the river. I've been there. I've been to the very spot. Amazing place. Go to Philippi. It's great. There they were, a group meeting, who were Jews but seeking. And Lydia was one of them. She was uh, a businesswoman who traded in Uh, dyed purple uh, cloths she was from Thyatira which is in the middle of central Turkey today but did a lot of traveling and she was in Philippi I mean this is you know 2,000 years ago I mean she was a very very upmarket go for it businesswoman she hears about Jesus and we're told at the in the Bible that the spirit opened her heart to the Lord And she became a Christian. And not only did she become a Christian, but she became the home base in Philippi. Whenever Paul visited, he went there. She started a church in her home. She had a new perspective. She ran a business, but above all, she was a Christian woman. I once heard the Argentinian evangelist, Luis Palau, tell us about a dinner in Rome and he was leading a big mission in there Louis Palau is in glory now but uh, when Billy Graham died he sort of took over that mantle as the international evangelist he was at this dinner in Rome and a lot of dignitaries were invited ambassadors and so on and he was sat next to a four-star Russian general and they got talking and the, and the general says so what to bring you to, uh, to Rome why are you here you tell me, huh? So, Louis Palau, well, the reason I am here is because... And they talked. And he said, look, I'm an evangelist. I tell people about Jesus. Do you know much about Jesus? Not much. 
So over dinner, he tells them the gospel. And they leave it at that and they shake hands and they say goodbye. Three days later, there's a phone call from reception up to Louis Palau's room. There's a Russian gentleman who wants to speak to you. It's the, it's the general. I need to meet with you. Can you meet today? Certainly. He gets a little small conference room downstairs. The, the general comes. He says, I want this Jesus. I want him. I need him. They kneel on the carpet in this conference floor in this hotel in Rome. Louis Palau leads him to Christ. Not only does he lead him to Christ, he gets a letter weeks later from Russia to tell him that this general is now leading Bible studies with his colonels. (laughs) This is Soviet Union era Russia we're talking about. It was pretty dangerous. But he didn't argue with a four-star Russian general. The the colonels opened their Bibles. A whole new perspective. God can work in Russia then. He can work in Russia now. Let's pray for Russia. A new perspective. When we see people, what do we see? Do we see people? See, Louis Palau saw a guy. Okay, he's a four-star Russian general. He's very senior. But he needs Jesus. Let's have people in our hearts like Lewis had. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, God has set eternity in people's hearts. And that's so right. There's not a person on the planet who doesn't secretly recognize that there's a big missing piece in their lives when they live without Jesus. What a difference he makes when they discover his love and his life. You've discovered that. Our purpose, our perspective, and finally, our privilege. Verse 19. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. How about that? We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. We've been reconciled through the cross to God. We have a friendship and now we can tell others We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, Kevin Rudd is the new ambassador to Washington. But we've got a better job. We are ambassadors to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We may not live in a fancy Washington, you know, house with diplomatic number plates and the whole thing. But we have Jesus And we have the privilege to tell others about him. I mean, I remember a guy called Kid Wu, 80 years old, Malaysian by birth, walking into this church. Heather calls me and says, there's a man here who wants to be baptized. He's elderly, but he wants to be baptized. So I I walk in and uh, we get chatting and I say... uh, how can I help you? He said, I want to be baptized. And he was very friendly. And I said, uh, well, that's wonderful. Um, have you been to St. Alfred's before? No, first time. This is a Wednesday afternoon. And uh, so I said, well, why don't you come to church on Sunday? And then we can talk about it. So he came to church. 
I fixed him up to sit with Doug and Leone and just to make him feel comfortable that he had some people there. We chatted over coffee. I said, why don't I come to your place on Tuesday? We can talk about things. So I did. He'd been a GP. So he said, are you sure? I mean, you're a busy man. I said, no, nothing would give me greater, greater pleasure. I went and I said, uh, how do you enjoy it? I loved it. I loved it. And I said, I could run a little course for a little, take about seven weeks called Christianity Explored, explaining the gospel because you've only been to church twice. <laughs> and getting baptized, that's a, quite a big thing. So, well, my daughter goes to this wonderful church in Perth and, you know, this Christian thing is quite good. I was raised a Buddhist. I'm from Malaysia and, I, you know, I was a Buddhist. Anyway, we do the course. Halfway through, he says, Mike, I've been like a ship in the ocean without a rudder. This Jesus, he's everything. This is wonderful. I used to write these things down when I got back. I just couldn't believe what Kid Wu was saying. He was like, I have just won the lottery, but over and over. This was, he couldn't believe. Just fantastic. Sorry. This man had been widowed. He, that's why he'd come to Australia for cancer treatment for his wife in Perth. She'd survived three years. He'd raised the two little girls on his own with his mother-in-law's help, and then she died. He had a daughter in Perth and a daughter in Blackburn North, and he came to Blackburn North to spend a little time with his daughter here. He did the course. I said, if you prayed the prayer in the booklet I gave you, let me know. Two weeks later, in the foyer... (laughs) He said, I prayed the prayer. I said, kid, that's fantastic. He told me when we first met, he'd been diagnosed with leukemia, but it was suppressed. And he took the drugs and he was doing okay. And they said, it's probably going to stay dormant. It may, it may not. He then rang me in the July. He became a Christian in May. He rang me in the July and said, I'm in, I'm in hospital, Mike. It's come back. I went to see him. I went to see him several times. He never came out of the hospital. The last time I saw him, we'd already fixed a baptism when he became a Christian for like October, November. That wasn't going to happen. And the last time I saw him, I thought, why don't I baptize him? (laughs) He came to get baptized. I'm going to baptize you here, kid. And his daughter, Evelyn, was there. I said, you can't do that. We're not in a church. I said, there's a basin and a cup. I'm going to baptize you. I've got a Bible. I'm a minister. (laughs) And we did it in that room. I tell you, it was absolutely fabulous. He died that night. But he's in glory. He's in glory, friends. It's a privilege to share the gospel. We don't know who's going to walk into our lives, walk into a church over the fence, the neighbours who move in. You don't know. In your family, situations can change. You meet new people. Do take and pray over those opportunities. It is absolutely a privilege. And so as I close, in this my last sermon, may our words and our lives speak of the God we serve As ambassadors for Christ, may we, in our situation and context, be like Count Zinzendorf, 
like Louis Palau and like Paul. May we, may we be thankful for the purpose, the perspective, and the privilege that as disciples of Jesus is ours in Christ. May we never forget that we, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. So as Joe and I leave St. Alfred's, which we've so enjoyed and cherished every part of it, loved it, loved you and being part of your lives. As we move on and you are here, may you and I not receive God's grace in vain, but stay ever close to our Savior, ever ready to tell of his love, because now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation, says the Lord. Amen and thank you.